The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live from Granite Credit Union, their brand new location here in Sugar House. 15th East and 21st South. Come on by and say hello. We still have some jazz gear for you if you would like as well. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end of season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Uh, he writes for The Athletic. We welcome him back to the big show. He is Bruce Feldman with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Bruce, thanks for coming back on. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, we're, we're super stoked to get you on today. Uh, Red top to bottom, your latest on, on USC. I know you teamed up with Antonio Morales there at The Athletic, but I thought it was terrific. Before we get into some details, tell us kind of how this story came together and why you started looking into exactly what went wrong. Yeah, it really was something where I had talked to a, uh, some former USC assistants and like the question was kind of how did USC lose its way? And that's kind of how we started. And then Antonio and I started kind of talking back and forth about who else we should talk to to see if you know, this would be kind of a fascinating postmortem because we knew that the recruiting had really been a mess at USC. But then there was other issues you started hearing and – especially when I even talked to coaches who faced them in the conference who would talk about, well, the air raid, they went that direction. And because of that, they went all their, the mentality of how they practiced and what they cared about changed. They became, as one coach said, that's how USC became soft. Another coach in the league had talked about um, just an undisciplined, unfocused team that you could tell their locker room wasn't very good because of how – the players acted during games and out on the field. Um, so there was that part of it. And just some of the stuff I heard from former coaches who were on Clay Elton's staff would just really kind of echo some points about him not, you know, as much as they may have liked him personally, he just didn't have like any presence and, and the players took advantage of it. And even some of the, the other staff members took advantage of it. And so you just, you just screamed a lack of accountability across the board. And, yes, they had some good players, but at the same time, they didn't have enough of them. And, you know, the more picture we were starting to get, as, you know, he was talking to high school coaches around here who, who had, uh, you know, sent a bunch of players to USC and knew those coaches and talked to some parents of players who had really strong opinions about what had gone wrong. And that's why – you know, it, usually when you do a story, if you have one or two really kind of eye-popping quotes, you feel like you have a really good story. In this one, I honestly think Antonio and I had about a dozen, like, kind of wow quotes that just jumped out at you from what we were hearing. And, you know, I mean, the story kind of really took off this morning. And, and uh, you know, it's been interesting. I went somewhere today, and a, uh, a friend of mine was like, hey, I heard them talking about your story on – 
on uh, on the radio around town. It's just like it's one of those things where I think a lot of people are very curious about. They knew it went wrong. I think they wanted to get a better picture on why it went so wrong. Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, I mean, and, well, let me ask you this: in the context of what you were writing about on this one. How difficult is it to get assistant coaches, which we all know are really important to the success of a program, but getting assistant coaches who are good recruiters, too? I mean, some people, it seems like you either get good recruiters or you get good coaches. You can't get both. How difficult it is for an outfit like SC to get them both? I think it's it's a real key point because you get certain guys, especially some of them who have been in the NFL most of their careers, and maybe – not that they felt like recruiting was beneath them, but kind of they didn't, you know, they were able to not recruit because, as it was explained to me by multiple people around the program, that they had basically, you know, Clay doesn't like, Clay Helton does not like conflict, didn't like arguments, and he just kind of acquiesced to a lot of people. And what you ended up getting um, was a staff that kind of was, was at times at odds because you had a lot of guys for us, you know, it was offense versus defense. I think there was some, you know, some frustration with the special teams coordinator that he was always in Clay Helton's ear about what he thought they should be doing, which a lot of people around the program felt like that was completely counter to the things that made Pete Carroll's program successful. And so that dynamic with the staff was one of the bigger issues. And then it made it harder to hire assistants because, to be honest, Clay Helton's been on the hot seat since 2018. And a lot of guys, as much as as USC has this rich tradition and a lot of potential in it, a lot of people didn't want to come work for somebody they knew was, was about to get fired or they thought was about to get fired. That sounds like a viper pit, a little bit. <laughs> Bruce Feldman is with us from The Athletic uh, here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Um, reading through the the recruiting part of the story I, th- I thought was really fascinating. I guess my, my question to you is, do you feel like USC has been missing on big-time players or misidentifying big-time players? I think it's both, but I think a lot of it has been misidentifying players in terms of, you know, maybe they were chasing stars. And a lot of times they got – they got guys who either were overhyped or just not great fits. Uh, occasionally, they would get these five-star guys who, as one of the former USC assistant coaches said, you know, that guy probably would have been a good player 30 years ago. It's a linebacker who's kind of stiff and doesn't, you know, doesn't run sideline to sideline. It's somebody who's very physical but but limited physically. And and this coach made the point. It was like Nick Saban turns down 10 five-stars a year because they're not good enough. You know, when he sees it and trusts his own evaluation. And I think a lot of times they got away from that. Um, and I'm not even, you know, like you talk to people who were around the program for a long time who were on the staff, and one of them made the point that's in the story is when the old staff, the, the Pete Carroll at Ogeron group was there, they kind of knew, okay, this is what a wide receiver we feel like should look like. This is how a defensive lineman should play. And they just felt like they didn't really have that identification piece of it at USC. And what made it harder was, you know, if they were going to try to really truly compete for national championships, you got to beat the teams that are playing for national championships, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Clemson, Ohio State, you know, the, the LSUs, four players on a lot of recruiting battles. And 
you know, the right out of the top of our story in the athletic is this is this scene where like a guy who's got a big reputation as a recruiter is, you know, it's outlying. I felt like I'm in there all by myself because when it comes to a home visit, if I if the kid is going to host Clay Helton and right before him or right after him is Nick Saban or Urban Meyer or Dabo Sweeney, that kid's not looking at 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 uh, Clay Helton and going, that's a real guy. You know, they just didn't feel like he had the same presence and that gravitas that those other guys had. And that matters to, to what you buy in. And so the reality is they did not beat those schools hardly at all for players those schools wanted. And ultimately, you know, you can be a top 25 team, but you're not going to be anywhere near a, a national title contender without some of that coveted talent. How big a factor do you think it was that Clay Helton apparently didn't want to cheat in his recruiting? Is that is that notion misguided, or is it uh, was it a real factor? No, I think it's a factor to some degree. I mean, I think there are a handful of guys, and look, I thought that was one of the wow quotes in the stories. One of the coaches brutally honest saying, you know, every year there's probably 20 to 30 players who are going to get a bunch of money to come play college football. And they're either quarterbacks usually or defensive linemen. And quite honestly, USC used to be really good at getting defensive linemen and they're not very good at it anymore. They've gotten a few, but the idea that Clay Helton was, was told his staff, Hey, we're, if we get fired, it's going to be because I didn't win, not because we didn't cheat. And or we cheated. And that, I think, reality, um, it's kind of an unspoken reality into college recruiting now. I mean, there's a bunch of players who are really good players from the West Coast who, usually, you know, you would normally expect to be Trojans who ended up going someplace else. I'm not saying they all got money to leave, but I think it'd be really naive to think some of them just decided to leave and go far, far away maybe played in the SEC, maybe played in some other league where they had no connections to because somebody else was taking care of them or their family. This is a takeoff of, of your answer there, Bruce, and what, what Gordon just asked you. And this is just a personal pet peeve of mine So with this story. So let me know if I'm being naive here. But it, it, we knew this about Clay Helton, that he was a, a good guy. And, you know, you're talking about how he didn't want to cheat. But we knew there was some integrity there. And that was supposedly the reason that USC kept him going into this season, that, uh, you know, coming off the academic scandal, you know, they're turning the page with the new president, the new athletic director, and said, we're going to do it right this time, and this is a good guy, and we're going to back him and hang on to him. And that lasted two games. <laughs> two wow. games. I mean, what does that mean about their integrity as a university and what they're prioritizing? Well, I think it probably, in, in truth, I think it really lasted probably two seasons and two games because three years ago, coming off 2018 when everybody wanted him fired, they had made the determination. It was the new leadership, as you're talking about, new president, new AD, had made the determination. They really couldn't fire him. They didn't want to fire him because it was going to cost them a fortune to get rid of Clay Helton and his staff and bring in a new staff, somewhere between 45 and $50 million. And at that time, that was something USC couldn't foot the bill on. On top of it, as you said, they had university scandals, some really ugly things, not necessarily just related to sports, but in university-wide. And the idea of the guy that everybody was clamoring for, Urban Meyer, wasn't something the, the president wanted to do because she felt like 
with his baggage. And remember, he wasn't far removed from the ugliness of the Zach Smith scandal that where he ended up getting suspended for three games at Ohio State. She just felt like, I'm not touching that guy, and I don't want him to be seen as the face of the university as we're coming out of this scandal. So they looked at Clay Helton and were like, we're going to give him every opportunity to try to make it work. And they upped a lot of the infrastructure around the program, and they spent more money on staffing. But ultimately, as we saw like week two, they get blown out by a pretty mediocre Stanford team, and the fan base had had, had enough, and we're, we're not coming out to games anymore. That's it. We're done with it. You guys know what you have to do, and ultimately – they ripped the Band-Aid off and said, we gotta, we get it. we got to make this change now. We're going to have to eat a lot of money, $10 million to Clay Helton, probably more for his staff. And, but it's not going to be $50 million. It may be $25 million in the end. But they felt like it's a move they could not afford to go with him any longer. So I'll ask you to speculate a little bit on this one, Bruce. Uh, is this what happens, $10 million plus? Does a booster come to the school and say, look, I'll cover this. We're sick of this. Uh, uh, here's the money. Boom. Gone. Well, one of their biggest boosts, the guy who had been their biggest booster, had passed away within like the last six months. Um, but at USC, they have a lot of money and people around. It's just what you run the risk of, of is if he's still, he being Clay Elton, is still around, you alienate those boosters who are like, you know what? I'm done with the program I'm, um, until you guys make some changes. And so they got to find a way to raise the money to get to, to make these changes. And it's going to cost them a lot of money to hire. If it's, if it's anybody who, you know, going back to what that assistant coach had told me for my story, if there's anybody who is a real guy, quote unquote, they're not going to come cheap, you know, like, so, but that's, you know, like, honestly, you spend a ton of money if you're USC on, and redoing your campus and your campus community and, and upgrades that they did to the Coliseum a couple of years ago, which were significant, you're going to have to pay a lot of money for the product on the field because that's honestly what, what their sports fans care the most about. It's USC. They look at football much differently than much of the Pac-12, rest of the Pac-12 does, and certainly more than UCLA does. So now they got to make a commitment to find that, and I'm sure they will because it's not like – you know, there's going to be people who are going to throw around money to say, hey, I'm going to help you get this right. I remember having a conversation with Norm Chow, and I've told Jake this story. But uh, he said, I asked him what it's like at SC, and he said, uh, just uh, a couple sentences, he said, USC gets what USC wants. And they haven't really had that in recent years. So it will be interesting to see looking forward what happens next. Yeah, I mean, knowing Norm pretty well, he lives down the street from where we are. Um, one of his colleagues who he coached with told me more than once, he said, it's USC. They have to really screw it up. And this person didn't use the word screw it up um, for it to go bad. And Bruce Feldman with us from the usually, Athletics was only the latest story of yours to catch our eye. You had uh, Coach Kalani Sataki on a list of possible uh, uh, suitors for that USC job. Do you care to elaborate? Yeah, I think he's done a really good job there. I think he has a lot of strong West Coast ties. And to me, the biggest selling point beyond just obviously he knows the Pac-12 from his time at Utah and even at Oregon State, but his teams are, are these three things above all. They are physical, they are disciplined, and they play really hard. Honestly, those are three qualities that 
you have to question how USC has done. Now, is he a splashy, flashy name for the fan base? I don't know. You know, if he keeps winning, he, you know, we know he's 3-0 against the Pac-12. And if he gets, you know, ends up at whatever it would be in a, over a two-year stretch of like 22-1 and or something, you know, then his name will get hotter. The question is, he's at his alma mater. The BYU program has has elevated status because of now they're in the Big 12, and that's only going to, you know, going to go from there. So I don't know if he would even have a thought of, of, of leaving. But if, I, if I'm USC, some of the names I've heard, you know, kicked around, I think he makes a lot more sense because of what – he has shown he can do, and as anybody who's been around him or his team, you know he's very he's very substantive. You know, it's not just flash. I mean, sometimes some of these names you hear people throw out, whether they're former star players or NFL assistants, there's there's a lot of style there, and I don't know how much substance, and I don't know how much those some of the NFL names get thrown around, how how committed they are to actually recruiting and developing players. So we know this guy can do it. I don't know if he has any interest um i don't know you know financially could usc make a commitment to him that would catch his eye would they make a you know a staffing commitment that would catch his eye? i don't know and i don't know where he would rank on on um their wish list i do know this uh, there's a handful of names i've heard and i'm like kalani satake would make a lot more sense than a bunch of these other guys i've heard thrown around well, Bruce, Jake and I will continue to uh, funnel people toward your work. Your stories are really, really good, and we would encourage Thank all you. of our listeners to check this out. Not just this, but uh, but everything that's coming from you. I appreciate that, guys. Always fun to talk to you. Thanks, Bruce. And sorry if we had a, a little communication issue right there. Uh, appreciate you jumping on and no, answering good. that coach, coach question. Thank you very much. Great work. Okay. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, Bruce Feldman from The Athletic. Again, his latest, uh, along with Antonio Morales, how USC crashed a friggin' Ferrari of talent and what it, may, it means for the next head coach. Well, normally I would think uh, a whole bunch of people would line up to go to SC, but the way this all went down, it makes you wonder. It's like if, if, if BYU is going to up its the status of its program, like Bruce was talking about there, then I'm not sure that Kalani Sataki would be all that interested in going to SC, even if he had that opportunity. And even if SC was going to pay a whole lot more money, at some point you got to look at it and say, okay, look at where Clay Helton is right now. And, yeah, he's got, he's got a nice-sized bank account, but what's his future in coaching going to look like? Man, I, Kalani's still young. I look you know? at that really differently than you do. Take you say, Kalani, get take, the money and don't worry about it. No, it's not the money. I would look at that job, and I, I'm not, you know, Kalani's at his, his alma mater and going into the Big 12, and maybe this isn't what he wants. But I'd look at the USC job, and I would say, anybody with half a brain can win at USC. Do I have <laughs> half a brain? Do I think that I have half a brain? If my answer to that is yes, then I'm taking that job because I think a moron could win there. It's not as easy as you make it sound. It is. Don't let Kayvon Thibodeau get out of town. <laughs> and, and a whole bunch of others. And be bigger, faster, stronger than your opponent. It's not rocket science. <laughs> yeah, you make a strong argument there. Yeah. It depends on how comfortable you are where you're at. Did Urban Meyer look at the Florida job and go, wow, 
I could turn into Will Muschamp, and he struggled a little bit. Or did he look at the Florida job and say, any moron can let it win at Florida. Give me that gig. I would love to replace that current moron because he doesn't know what he's doing because anybody with half a brain can win at Florida. So here's the, here's the question. Did Urban want to go to SC, but the president didn't want him? And if that's true, it makes me wonder how, how the boosters feel about that decision by the president. Um, because, you know, I mean, Urban's no angel, that's for sure. But at the college level, at least, he sure seems to have it figured out. I know, but the boosters are also part of their problem. Yeah. You and, know, like, and I mean, okay, the uh, Urban's going to struggle in the NFL. We know that USC might not be all that much different than the NFL, <laughs> like, except for that you're playing against inferior teams every week. That's yeah. the big thing. That, well, if that, you do your recruiting correct, right? I, I just saw a joke from uh, the College Football Reddit page that uh-huh. that uh, quoted Urban Myers uh, talking about the NFL. I should bring it up, but talking about the NFL, uh, saying that it's like playing Alabama every single week. And then the, the 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 Reddit page was like, was like, what? You mean Purdue's not on the schedule? <laughs> I mean, there there are a lot of Boise State coaches that have made their bones being better than every team they play. And except for one and somehow fluking out that one once in a while. Yeah, but then they go somewhere else to a bigger program and then they can't win. Anymore. Where they don't automatically have the best team. <laughs> Strange. Strange how that happens. Uh, that's funny. Well, I'm curious to see what's going to happen now because if they're interim guy. And what do we hear about Jackson Dart? Oh, he uh, I, torn meniscus. Hold on. I'll get the exact. Uh, well, not torn. Hold on. Hold the phone. I want to make sure and get this one right. Uh, let's see here. Jackson Dart suffered meniscus injury against Washington State, underwent surgery earlier this week. Uh, I clicked on the story at 24-7 Sports and doesn't say uh, what his status is as far as being out. But Well, when we were talking earlier about SC's chances, I mean, that was factoring into it because we think he's a really talented guy. But now they're going to have to go back to Keaton Slovis? They are screwed. <laughs> Stop it. But... Uh... Yeah, so much for that. You're going to have to go back to the first-team preseason all-conference quarterback? Oh, geez. It's just interesting to hear about the problems at SC and the poor fellas down there and what's happening. When we we have programs around us here, Utah, BYU, and now Utah State, who may not always have the same advantages that USC does, but the coaches seem to figure out at least – on the reg, maybe not in every case, Utah struggling a little bit right now. But on the whole, they make the most of they get what they want. They, they're looking for. They get what they know they can get. And then they make the most of it. Or usually, not always, but often. And USC's down there, you know, sinking. Right. Crazy. Crazy. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's embarrassment of riches. And what do they do with it? A whole lot of nothing. That whole idea of falling in love with the star system and not really doing your homework about who really fits your program, who is willing to work hard, who is going to really make you a better football team. That, I mean, I don't know what to do with that, Jake. Don't know what to do with it. More Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.